Stories of Communism 15, Protesting in Poland. Welcome to Stories of Communism, the podcast where we review and discuss the first-hand testimony of those who lived through the horrors of communism over the past century. This is Eric Seligman, your co-host, along with Manuel Castaneda, recording from the suburbs of Portland, Oregon. Today we have another great interview episode. Manuel and I will be chatting with Wojtek Lysicki, who was one of the local leaders in the Polish Solidarity Movement back in 1980-81, before being forced to flee the country in the face of a military crackdown. As you may recall, Solidarity was one of the most famous anti-communist popular uprisings of the Cold War. It was actually the first trade union in the Warsaw Pact not controlled by the government. After the government declared martial law in 1981, the union was suppressed for several years, but re-emerged during the Gorbachev era to play a key role in Poland's transition to freedom. Anyway, let's listen to the interview. Okay. Uh, hi, is that Wojtek? Wojtek. Wojtek, okay. Yes. Okay, good. Oh, well, at least we got the name correct. <laughs> the pronunciation. <laughs> so where is the name from again? Um, here from Bethel. I live in Bethel. Bethel, Washington. Yes. Yes. Right, yeah. but but you okay. you grew up in Poland, right? Yes. I, yes, I did. I I lived there first twenty six years. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I was really excited when you uh, told me that you had actually been part of Solidarity, right? Cause that's that's a, sort of an important part of history. Um, so I was hoping you could tell us maybe about what life was like in Poland and what led you to become part of that movement. Uh, well. The life in Poland, that depends. Um, I mean, I it was pretty interesting life. We we have we we've had a lot of uh, limited resources for anything and everything. But um, I was fortunate to be resourceful, so I I I could use a lot of different things. Um, in um, no, interesting, interesting ways. Let's put it this way. <laughs> Can you give us an example? <laughs> um, well, one of the things uh, was um, after uh, completing my education, I went to um, uh, to work, and one of my jobs was to be a photographer and doing the. Um, films and papers, uh, you know, to, to the people. And so uh, because I have a chemical background, I learned to extract silver and sell it on the market. <laughs> so were you still able to develop your photos? Yes. So I, I, I learned that. Then, you know, there was another thing uh, because... Well, again, my chemical engineering background, I was able to make um, strong alcohol and spirits and sell it on the market as well. <laughs> you know, things like that. So, you know, we we had to be kind of resourceful. Yeah, that, that's interesting. You know, it sort of echoes a theme we heard from um, some of our guests from Cuba where, you know, they said they had to sort of live outside the system day to day and find find ways to make money and survive. So what kind of wages did you live on? Like if you hadn't done these side um, efforts, what would your standard of living have been like? 
Um, it would be probably compared to well, my uh, my jobs were kind of uh, not very common because I was a photographer, so that was uh, kind of viewed differently, uh, more like uh, artists and things. So it was compensated in, in higher wages. Then I had a lot of different um, side side gigs and things. So in equivalent equivalent to um, United States living uh, at that time, for me was maybe forty fifty thousand dollars a year kind of thing. Um, obviously, in Polish currency, that was much different. So I had money, but I had nothing else to do with this. I mean, there was nothing really to buy. There were, uh, uh, grocery stores were pretty much empty. Everything was uh, distributed through um, a stamp system. So it was um, very limited. Uh, so I I could buy, um, I mean, it's, it's like Every month we were issued a certain amount of uh, like a food stamps. Mm. Uh, so there was so much for sugar, so much for meat, so much for fish, so much for different things. And um, you could, if you were resourceful, you could try to um, trade those things. I did not get into those things but i i know uh, i knew some people who did some trading uh and made the money that way too uh but if you didn't do anything like this you had only so much to buy and then you had a lot of money left over so um i was able to get a car i was able to uh travel more um, and that's what I'm saying is that because how I used my resources, I was better off than a lot of people. Hmm. Well, basically, you being a scientist uh, really mm -hmm. helped you out, didn't it? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, knowledge and learning is, is just uh, this is the only thing that will uh, last year, uh, my my dad was always saying that the colonies can take everything, and I mean everything from you, except your knowledge. Hmm. Yeah. No, and so, so I live, I still live by that kind of saying. So I I keep learning something every day. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, you, you got this background, you said, in, in what chemical engineering, but then you worked as a photographer. Um, why were you not like working in the uh, science industries or something? Uh, well, <clears throat> this is where uh, the um, political uh, belonging uh, comes to play. See, I, I never was into communism, never joined any uh, youth organizations uh, uh, for communists. So I was on a blacklist from the beginning. 
And so I was able to get some education that would uh, I was hoping would uh, overcome all that stuff, but um, it just didn't work out that way. Um, I got my engineering done. Uh, I had uh, uh, practice and some employment, very initial couple months in uh, petroleum, petroleum in refinery. This is where I'm, where my uh, specialty is, or was. But I never got a job because I was not with the system. You were not participating. No, no. Um, my see, my personal history um, uh, made me believe that this there was nothing I could support ever. Because in um, uh, December 1970, when I was uh, uh, in high school, first year in high school, I witnessed things that um, kind of turned off the uh, willingness to participate. I, I witnessed killings on the, on the streets, killings uh, during the uh, strikes. Um, and I, that was the deciding point for me that I will never work with the system. Uh, so were, were personal friends of yours killed? Or? Uh, no, not friends, but um, shipyard workers. Uh, if, I, I don't know if you are aware of um, much of the history from uh, Poland or in Gdansk in particular. In December 1970, there were strikes. And uh, official words were that um, police um, killed some workers, um, shipyard workers, um, because they were afraid, they were striking, and it was just a dangerous situation. The, the different situation actually was that um, uh, Russian... Um, Police force were were dressed in police uniforms, killing the actual workers. So I witnessed that from uh, some distance. I saw some people being killed, and that was that was a decision making for me. But before that, were you pretty much buying the the communist uh, ideas or? Uh, you were well, on the border. Mm-hmm. Kind of either because um, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily supporting this. I laughed at a lot of different things. Um, see, my father uh, he was um, a professor of uh, navigation at Naval Academy um, in Poland. Mm-hmm. So he he was part of the system, and he was uh, supporting some system just to make a living. Mm-hmm. My brother was part of a students' organization supporting communists, uh, but I, I I never was part of anything like that. The only the only thing I uh, was part of when I was growing up it was. Um, uh, scouts, scouts. Oh, the scouts. Uh huh. Yeah, 
So I, I went through uh, a lot of camps with them. I trained a lot of, uh, through them, uh, learned survivals, um, operating different machinery, guns, boating, all that stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. But uh, to uh, I, but I never supported the system, not at least not um, willingly. Mm-hmm. So did you have like um, family members who who thought you should get more involved in communism, or who were angry that you weren't supporting it, or were they all on the same side as you on all this? Actually, they they were a lot of family members who were part of the system and because I well yeah I was approached to join um, their organizations but I never did uh, kind of uh, left it off but because we are on a different side of spectrum you know opposite spectrums uh, I could not trust anyone uh, with my own views. So I wasn't really talking to my family except my mother. My mother was pretty much a big confidant. My, my grandmother, my mother's mother was another big confidant, but others were not. Even my dad, I, I could not talk to him about politics or anything Um because I knew he was on the other side. Wow. Uh, so I was kind of uh, hanging out with my own friends who were like-minded uh, with me. So were you scared of getting arrested for your views um, at that time? Or were, were there people being arrested just for not believing in communism? Or were things relatively uh, stable at that point? Um, well, after the 1970 December, um, I joined the group that was actually opposing the government. So I was underground, uh, part of the group. We, uh, we were recruiting people. Uh, we were teaching people the history, the, the actual things from, um, the outside world. How were you getting that information yourself? Uh, well, see, being a part of the scouting group, um, I was able to learn some electronics. And uh, so we built uh, shortwave radios and we were getting um, free Ameri- uh, America free voice um, in Polish from German stations. Mm. So we're getting that information. Then also we're getting some more information from Germany coming in leaflets and we're distributing them to different people in groups. And I got caught a couple times, got arrested and I was in jail for three times well, but that, for that... doing that must have been scary. It was because you get hauled into the jail and you don't go to trial. They they just intimidate you into um, cooperation with the system 
And if you don't know much of the system, uh, you know, you, you could get um, recruited. I, I did not get recruited. I, I resisted that. And um, that's why I became more um, on, to watch on their list. Very interesting way, Czech. I'm wondering, what do you think about what's going on right now? Because Poland tends to be one of the more conservative places in the area now in Europe. Well, this is this is very interesting subject because, uh, in general, I support what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Poland wants to be. Poland doesn't want to be necessarily uh, international like the rest of the Europe, although Poland wants to be part of the European Union. And it is. Freedom of the expression, uh, that's another thing. There is a lot of groups that, that they want to actually shut down uh, or... Um, at least circumvent um, the freedom of speech, and Poland is resisting that, which is actually a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting how, like, you know, in Western Europe originated a lot of these concepts like capitalism and freedom of speech, but it seems like right now, in a lot of cases, it's the former communist countries like Poland who have actually sort of suffered through the opposite that are actually the big defenders of those ideas. Right, and uh, it is kind of uh, difficult for the rest of the um, uh, Europe to actually live up to that. So Poland is being kind of ostracized on some something. Um, economically, Poland is one of the most viable countries right now in Europe. It's economically is very, very going very. It's going very strong. Before we run out of time, I really want to hear about your your experiences in solidarity. Maybe could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that movement and and what happened with it? Uh, Okay. Well, that uh, that could be a long story, (laughs) depending on uh, how how we talk. Um, Well, as as I mentioned, uh, December 1970, that was the beginning for me um, to be against the government. And um, so I, I went through different organizations to learn the actual history of Poland and the world, to, to learn, learn to, uh, what the rest of the world is about. Um, uh, we were teaching other people. And eventually in 78, I met Valencia. Wow. Um, so, well, we were neighbors, uh, kind of neighbors. Uh, he lived in different uh, buildings than I did, but we used to go to same same church. We same we uh, knew same uh, priests. Uh, you know, he was a little older than I am at the time, so. Um, so we couldn't really be friends, 
but we've met a few times uh, with the meetings and stuff. So I knew of him, I knew him a little bit. And then in strikes when it happened, um, I joined the strike in the shipyard. Uh, then I jumped out and went to my own uh, company that I work for. And I became their uh, leader in opposition. So this was um, at your photography company or? Yes. Yep. So, uh, so even so, the photographers went on strike? Well, uh, originally uh, there was just the shipyard. And then uh, days later, there were more co uh, different companies started to join the strike. Uh, they shut down uh, everything and it was just, uh, everything was shut down pretty much. Um, and so the, that company elected me to be their representative for a uh, new labor union. And <clears throat> so I became involved in, in solidarity almost from the beginning. Um, through the meetings, uh, uh, education of um, new systems to new people, um, new benefits, old benefits, um, how to navigate the new system because, uh, see, the, the Poland could not start new opposing party, which was the actual uh, outcome uh, from a solidarity. Solidarity became a labor union, which was allowed under a communist system. And that was the only way for us to really work as a, as a group, big group, you know, nationwide group of uh, opposition. So it's interesting. So you sort of use sort of a loophole in the communist philosophy that because it was based on labor unions, then you were able to start a labor union technically legally right that was that that was our uh surviving uh philosophy otherwise i mean if if solidarity uh was going to be a party that would be quashed killed it would never happen and uh that was um that was really a, a good thing coming from Valerza and his his um, supporters, uh, his bodies, you know, uh, that he had around him at that time. So that was pretty smart move. But regardless, for people on the street, it didn't matter if it was a labor union or a party. It was something that was opposing the communism. And that's why we had a lot of support. But now so, that then there was some kind of crackdown, wasn't there, after the first round of solidarity strikes? Am I, am I remembering right? Well, not right away. Uh, see, the, the uh, security forces created uh, different lists of people who could be potentially dangerous to the system. And uh, whoever was running labor unions in any company, 
that was put on that list and um, some other people. So I ended up on that list too uh, because I had my friends uh, working for uh, security. They, well, one one of them um, told me that I was on the list and I was uh, going to be arrested if something happens because I was already in in the data system um, three times before. I didn't want to go to prison again. So uh, in in June of 1981, I left Poland because uh, um, I was warned that this thing was pretty much imminent and the um, martial law was declared in November that year, November 81. So if I was there, I would be interned just like um, most of the solidarity, solidarity uh, leaders. Wow. So was it hard for you to get out of Poland or were your, were your friends in the security forces able to help you escape? Uh, no, my friends could not help me. Uh, what, um, what, what helped me was, I mean, it was difficult because no one, absolutely no one could know that I was going to leave. So it was a surprise to everybody. But I established contacts through my uh, priest that I knew quite well. And uh, so he gave me contacts to Austria, to Vienna, to uh, try to scare him uh, in the refugee camp. And so I, I, uh, I was able to buy a ticket um, to fly out. And I was fortunate and I'm not sure how that really worked, but um, I was able to get the passport a, about a year prior to that, uh, so I could actually travel to Western uh, European countries. So I had those, I had that document, I had a couple phone telephone numbers, and I just left. I had. Um, one suitcase, fifty dollars in the pocket, and that was it. So it was very scary. Um, I could not say goodbye to anybody, including my own family. And uh, when I got to Vienna, uh, when I called uh, my contacts, then everything kind of happened. Uh, people helped me quite a bit, and and here I am. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. Well, me too. <laughs> wow, this is pretty amazing. So in 1991, you get out. Did you ever go back? Uh, 1981. Not 1981. 1981. Oh, wow. Uh -huh. um, I, was, uh, I was not able to go to Poland for about 10 years. But eventually, I was able to, and I've been there for a few times. Last time I was, I was in Poland about five years ago. Well, so, so um, I, I guess you didn't see your family for those ten years until until then. Correct. 
my uh, my every uh, piece of mail uh, that I had um, sent to them uh, was opened by security to find out what was in it and what I was writing. <clears throat> the same thing <clears throat> was uh, done to my family uh, mailing as well. They were always open and, and, and read. Um, but after 10 years, uh, things changed. The Berlin Wall fell, and so things changed. And I was able to go back to Poland without fear of being arrested. Well, that's great. Um, let's see. So we should probably try to... Uh wind up soon. Um, Manuel, do you have a, a last question for, for Wojtek? Well, Wojtek, uh, thank you for sharing with us. I mean, this is an amazing story. We um, hear a lot about some of the stories, but uh, very seldom do we hear it straight from uh, someone who actually lived the uh, history like you have. What what kind of advice do you give to people who are still flirting with the ideas of communism? Uh, go to live in, in Cuba or go to live in Russia or go to live in Venezuela or North Korea. Uh, North Korea for let's say just three months and, and you will learn how it is really what you are fighting for. You can read a lot, uh, but the the books are really skewed. Uh, they are really not showing a lot of truth anymore. <clears throat> Education system here in this country is so left-turn that you cannot get a true true information. So if you really want to learn about what socialism, communism is about, go to the country and see it for yourself. Thank you, Thank yeah. you so much, Wojciech. Yeah, yeah. I you're think, welcome. You know, one of the things that will help, help fight, of course, what you're talking about is hearing from people like you. <laughs> I think it, that's also important for young people to hear you tell the real story of, you know, what you had to live through and, you know, and hope that we don't repeat it again. That is, that is somewhat difficult nowadays. Young people don't want to listen to older people very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, but we, we have to try, right? I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. It's amazing to hear about a critical event in history from someone like Wojtek, who was there in the thick of it as it happened. By the way, if you've been enjoying this podcast, we could really use your help spreading the word. Please consider liking our Facebook page, sharing it with your friends, and posting a positive review on Apple Podcasts. You can find links to these things at our website, storiesofcommunism.com. And this has been your Story of Communism for today. <laughs>